Hey everyone, welcome to Awaken 24 Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Oliva, keeping you in the driver's seat of your mind 24 hours a day, challenging your perspective. Hey everyone, what's up? Today's podcast, we're going to focus on an article I wrote uh, about a week ago or so. It's called As You Think It, So It Is. It's on WordPress, awaken24.wordpress.com, and you can find it there. And I just want to do a reading of it because I really, really like uh, the idea of this article. So as we go through it, I'm going to segue into some context and then get back to the reading. Okay, I'm pretty sure you can tell the difference between the tone of my reading uh, versus the tone of my going on a contextual rant. Okay, great. So how do we see things in the way we do? We all know that in order for an outcome to occur, there must be a catalyst. Where does this catalyst come from? It comes from many differing perspectives of your self-view, which have been cultivated throughout your entire lifetime. Every thought you have had about yourself doesn't just whisk away into some obscure nothingness of a thoughtland. In fact, every thought you have felt, uh, you have felt it in the body through the nervous system, and that system creates neural pathways, which keep you experiencing those very thoughts. This is what I have come to learn over my 31 years of meditation practice. I search for the mind ground, the very source of all my thinking, feeling, and perspective of the so-called reality. It wasn't until recently that I had broken through and found what this mind ground really is. In Buddhist cultivation, there is the eighth consciousness. Um, this consciousness is the mind ground, the very place where all things first experience are planted, like seeds. Then when a person nourishes those experiences, or seeds, with emotion, thought, and repetitive action, those seeds take root. In a less metaphorical sense, when experiencing anything, the nervous system is the ground where all stimulation gets recorded and sent to the brain. Your thoughts plus the feeling equal the type of experience you will encounter. You could be waking up in the morning with the most happiest of thoughts, but instead you wake up thinking how horrible the day will go. And this is that part... Um, Actually, the first few up to this point, I mean, I really gave myself a little history here. I really gave myself a big several years of self-introspection. Now, since I learned meditation when I was eight years old in 1988, um, I would always look to find the reason or the source for why I think, feel, do the things I do and say. Um, and over time, I was able to chop down a lot. I mean, I was up to eight years old, so there's not much, only eight years, but... When we say our whole entire life, let's see here. Um, there was a part here, and I'm trying to run through because I don't want to keep you guys hanging on. But I did go back and say that we experience something. Here we go. Every thought we have had about uh, yourself doesn't just whisk away into some obscure nothingness of a thought land. Um, everything you've ever experienced, everything you've ever felt and thought of, basically, is uh, influenced from... When you were conceived, your parents' bioenergy and their cells formed the nervous system. Their, their cells were the groundwork, were the foundation, the matrix in which the combination of all of these cells and, and neurology were formed from and then created a new combination of you. So that's your groundwork. So you have their past influences with your body already. Is that interesting? So it took me a long time to really find those little seeds because as i would go back it's like i can't find what this is where this is coming from 
and then I would get as I go deeper and remove some of the perspectives and, and we'll just call it peel the onion. Okay. Uh, I got to a point where I was having memories and sensations that I know I did not have an, a catalyst for in my born life, <laughs> right? Like coming out of the womb, I know I didn't have a catalyst for it. And then I would go to my father and be like, Hey, what do you know about this? Such and such. Because this happened 1970 something or whatever. And I was born in 1980. Because how are you having these memories? I said, because they're in your body. They are your nervous system. And then you pass some of these things on. And this is where we can go into what past life would be. However, let's continue the, the, the talk here. I just want to give you guys a little context. So um, every kind of thinking primes you for uh, the experiences you have and will have. That is why things happen. And we are the ones who make those things what we experience them as. So we make things what we experience them as. I just wanted to repeat that. Let's go with the example of, uh, of my son wanting to ride his bike by himself for about three blocks. Like he wanted to ride his bike. He didn't really know how to ride a bike. We taught him a little bit. And then he, uh, a year later, he decided he wanted to ride his bike outside. So he decides the halfway point to turn around because he heard something creepy behind him. Um, we were in a park, it was windy and cold, and he said he heard leaves and branches cracking. So he already learned how to ride his bike a little bit. Then a year later, he jumps on the bike, teach him for about 20 minutes. Now he's on a roll and days go by as we're riding our bikes in the park. Um, he gets a little startled by some cracking in the background. So instead of playing into the creepy perspective, I had him observe and question the possibility of what? That sound really was. I reminded him that his thinking made the sound of the leaves and branches creepy. And being it is both windy and cold, it is highly possible that the leaves were moving and branches were falling. He questioned that possibility and said that it sounded as though someone was stepping on leaves and branches. I did assure him that no one else was around him. Therefore, other than an animal, which was also nowhere to be seen, the only cause for the noise was indeed the wind. So I could have went on and been like, yeah, it was a ghost or it was some, something creeping around the woods of uh, the, the, the park that doesn't help him investigate his mind that helps him enforce or reinforce, um, his perspective of what is creepy and fearful. So instead of reinforcing his, oh no, something's creepy mentality or perspective, I went and took that and said, okay, that could sound creepy based on what you assume it could be. However, there is no validation that what you assume is actually happening or even real. So let's go to the next state. The next state is let's question what could make leaves move? What could make branches fall? What could make things sound like they're cracking? And thus we go down, down the line. Okay. It's like hypothesis, right? You know, you have your scientific questioning. Um, this is happening. What are the possibilities? What is the most valid of those possibilities? And let's logically reason them out and see what could make most sense for what is around us right so that's what we did <laughs> the mind will always go to what you mostly give attention to and it goes there via via neural receptors and is rooted deeply by neural pathways be it anxiety anger happiness love hatred etc whatever you think will indeed be based on what you have been thinking and maintained in your thinking. And we, you know, we really don't get the idea that whatever we think 
has always been influenced by the things we've always thought. And they happen so easily. Our thinking happens so smoothly that sometimes we don't even realize that we're thinking it. One of my meditation techniques I learned as a kid, I think I was about 11 years old, was um, hear the thought before your thought. So that causes you to actually have to, number one, pay attention to what you're thinking. Number two, see what it is you're associating that thinking to. And then hear what is the catalyst for your thinking. So you really get quiet when you're going into this type of observation of your mind. It's really an amazing thing. So we'll, we'll, we will call this habitual thinking. So let's see. Uh, whatever you think will indeed be based on what you have been thinking and maintained in your thinking. So I'm continuing. We will call this habitual thinking, and we are all guilty of such an amazing thing. A habit thought is that thought which is repeated for similar situations, be they emotional or physical. These habit thoughts arise due to the momentum built into them from years of entertaining them. Think about it. The same thought over and over again, day or week or year after year for similar situations. The brain will work in familiarities before questioning the difference. So it is important we understand that we help set the stage for our perspective on all things we experience with our six senses. Yes, I said six. Our six senses are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and thinking the mind. When you can train yourself to change your reaction to the experiences you have, you will truly take the reign of your mind. However, until you can get to the core of your thinking, you will still be subject to the ebbs and flows of your neural thinking habits. Neural thinking habits is a term I just made up, <laughs> which points to the idea that your mind is the electrical spark that jumps to the neuroreceptors and experience from, uh, from that is your thinking. So the experience from that is your thinking. Therefore, you can only think what you already have thought somewhere in the past. And you can only make decisions based on those things. Isn't that interesting? So we make decisions based on the things we have already been thinking about, the momentum of those, the interrelating of those thoughts with other feelings cause a cluster of other types of emotional experiences and perspectives. And then we basically are making decisions based on that and we don't hear that influence behind us. So it's like a shadow pushing or changing us or, or, or chasing us all the time. The idea of changing all of that is to question the narrative you tell yourself about yourself. The narrative you tell yourself about the world and the narrative you tell yourself about things you like and dislike. And we can go further on, you know, the narrative about how you think the way you look, the narrative about how you're supposed to feel, and you can put that into everything. Getting to the core of your thinking, it's an amazing way to begin directing your life in the direction you wish to go. You need to be, to, to have a clear vision of that direction and to build a new narrative about yourself along with doing that which equates your vision. So remember, it's not about what is actually happening. It's about your perspective of the things that are happening that make those happenings appear the way you see them. That was a mouthful. I want to repeat that. It is not about what is happening. It is about your perspective of the things that are happening that make those happenings appear the way you see them. Things happen. How you see them is how you're going to experience them. 
how you per, what your perspective is of them is how you're going to think about them. So your whole life has had has had all these influences from mom, dad, sisters, brothers, your cat, your dog, your friends, your movies you watch, the music you listen to, the things you read, the school you went to. And then it has everything from when you're in the womb, the experiences your parents had and the things around them, what they listen to, what they watch, what they feel, what they think, what they eat, what they ingest, whatever. And though your parents also have the influences from their parents, friends, and their whole environment from their life. So we're getting lifetime after life, a lifetime of bombardment of influences. And then when you're born, these things are now, we can say, set in stone to a great degree. They're in your neurology. So when you have habits that you just can't get out of, you feel you can't get out of, there's a good reason for it. And it could, my theory is that it could possibly be the idea that you have these neurological um, framework put in place at birth. <laughs> but it's not an excuse to say, well, that's just how I am at birth. Because I don't believe, personally, that we are unable to change and we should just accept things the way they are. Uh, I am a firm believer of F everything the way it is, and I'm going to change how I think about it, how I do things with it. I'm going to adapt to it, and I'm going to find a way to make it change. Because I want to. Because I believe that we, as human beings, have the great potential of creating, making anything happen. We can't make other people do what we want 100% the way we want it, but we can make anything happen according to how we feel it to be for us. I'll give an example of something that was uh, that is out of control in terms of what you feel. Oh, okay. I'll rephrase that. I'll give you an example of something that happened to me that I could not control in the way that I wanted it to be. Um, I had to let it just be the way it was. And if I did certain things to defend myself, then I would make the situation worse and it would definitely be way out of control. So control first, control is not an evil word. Control is good. Control is when you let go of control. There is nothing about the situation that can influence you. That's control. So I was in a situation where one of my uh, old mentors, um, he did not like the way I taught my style or approach. He did not like, he had his own biases against uh, or about how I chose to live my life. And when I had my own cultivation school, meditation center, martial arts school, um, he tried for the three years I had um, to actually disrupt my whole business uh, and trying to influence people around me, my students, the communities I was part of, and um, have them believe I was mentally retarded. <laughs> um, I was crazy. Uh, I was just playing around. And though it was my business, he tried to tell everybody else that it's his business, his center, and he's just letting me be there. So People didn't really like that. They would get back to me with all this stuff. And you could say on one hand it's gossip, but right to my face. Um, 
you know, person smiling and then behind you stabbing you in the back. So they're shaking your hand with one hand and stabbing you back with the other. Uh, people tried to come in and disrupt my business uh, through him. Um, his students, his old students, uh, just random craziness and telling people lies for three years. So if I went crazy in terms of attacking him and yelling and screaming at him and um, you know, physically assaulting him, the situation would have been worse. Now, I could not control how he thinks, what he chooses to do. I can just control how I am. So what I did was confront him. Every month, <laughs> I would always write an email and talk to him and talk to him in person. You know, how are things going? Are you okay with what I'm doing? You know, you're my teacher and I respect your opinion. Um, this is my school. I am teaching here. I am these students' teachers and want to make sure everything's all right. And I would get response like, everything's fine. But then on the other end, people will come back, oh, he's complaining you this, complaining you that. So I didn't appreciate it. So I would always confront. Um, but I would never bitch and complain without a reason, right? Or, or without a solution. I would bitch and complain in a very well-spoken, uh, cover my ass in all areas, meaning I would write emails and I would talk to the person. And I would take a very strong stance in defending myself as to what my place is. My place is my business. And how I'm going to do it. Um, and that's it. <laughs> so it's really sick. Uh, the person would team up with a lot of other people. And, and try to do things uh, to me. By you know character assassination. Talk bad about me. Try to make people think me weird. Strange and all that. And it's just kind of like kindergarten BS. And, and middle school gossip crap. But the person wouldn't stop. And he kept going for years. Even after I closed my school. So anyway, you can't control, and I couldn't control how that person was supposed to do things, or what I felt he should have been doing things as. What I did was I was patient, and I would wait my chance to speak. I would create my chance to speak, uh, write emails, discuss in person. Um, when his students would come to me, I would stand right to their face and, and explain what the deal is. Whether they liked it or not, it's going to be my way or the highway. And to everyone, even that person. So I was very adamant, very hard. And they tried to use that against me as though I am even crazier because I stood up for myself or I countered their assumptions because his assumption is the only one in the world. And, you know, that's that's the presentation that he gave that uh, he knows better. But I don't believe anybody knows better about me except me. And if they can't if they don't have any other proof and if I cannot find any validation in what they're saying, I'm going to negate it and argue my points so if i did anything else that would be very horrible you see i even went as far as after i closed my school to write my experience down and that person said it was character assassination tried to attack me uh not physically <laughs> but just really go on the on the uh, deep end and start badgering me behind my back so it's kind of strange how you Tell a story, and then the person feels like you're doing them wrong. Wait a second. The person for three, four years uh, have been doing so much wrong behind my back, and here I'm explaining my story without, like, cursing or putting that person down, and then complaining that that's character assassination. You tell me. What's the Twilight Zone here? So, in my neurological framework, I should have, based on what 
my neurological framework was, my responses should have led me to yell and scream and be freaking crazy. Yell and scream and just go nuts attacking these people. However, because of cultivating and self-introspection, I was able to see that that would not be in my favor. My favor would be speak my peace, stand up for myself, build my personal integrity, show that I'm not what these people say for me, and whether they see it or not is their problem. Then move on. Because there's nothing worse than living in a state of perpetual anxiety, stress, and fear by what other people are trying to give you. And you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So what I did was I over, like I, I overcame my neurological frameworks. I had that feel, that pain of pressure and passion to scream and yell and be aggressive. Because that's in my framework. Or was. But as I started to feel that rise and my brain become clouded and everything become engulfed in this rage. I took a moment because I know my training. My training kicked in automatically and said, hey, take a chill. Take a chill pill, you know, stop for a second. Is this the reaction that's best for the person you are going to become? And I said, no. Then I went right into self-introspection, doused the fire of rage, changed it or transformed it into the direction because that potential is that, that potential rage is potential energy, right? So put that potential into a direction of becoming better, learning to speak better, learning to present better, have better, greater practice and self-confidence and maintain personal integrity. That's what I did. Despite what everybody else says. Because let me tell you something, people can say and do whatever they want. It's how you respond to them, which makes you the way you are. So in that, understand, I just gave you an example of how this works when you don't have control, but then you do have control and neurological framework and its influence. If you feel this incessant, urge to just lash out or speak out question it just for a moment it doesn't mean you hold yourself back and you don't speak your mind you do speak your mind but question that force that rage that power where is it coming from where did you train yourself to be like that who gave you the influences for that because when you understand the influences the catalyst for your behavior be it in body mouth and mind you know body physical speaking and thinking when you understand those things, you will have more control and you will have more ability to direct your life where you wish to go. That's really it. So I hope you enjoyed this wonderful podcast. I, I really enjoyed writing that article and uh, I especially enjoyed reading it to you and just giving you more context on it. If you have any questions, comments, please feel free to write me Eric, E-R-I-K at Awaken24. That's the numbers 24.com. Awaken24.com. You can check up our latest um, articles at awaken24.wordpress.com. Check our website, ericoliva.com. <laughs> and uh, yeah, find us on Instagram, The Awaken Journal. And Facebook, Awaken24 Community. It's a group. You can go in there and you get all meditation videos and whatever. We're on YouTube. And uh, I have tons of videos on YouTube channel. I think it's Eric Oliva. You can find it with a nice big circle with a big E in the middle of it. It's just like an orange, reddish orange uh, circle. Uh, I can't change that for some reason. But anywho, be well, be good, peace.